Welcome to You Are Not Broken, the only podcast that combines science, medicine, and psychology to re-educate your brain and help you live your best love life. And I'm your host, board-certified female urologist, Dr. Casperson. Hey, podcast family. It's Kelly. I'm so glad that you are here. I am all hooked up, ready to do this amazing podcast. I've been doing podcasts for like two years now, and not once really have I like done a bunch of research on, I mean, this is kind of my day job, right? So with my day job, I like already know a lot of things about my topic of my podcast, but this is the first podcast that I've actually done a decent amount of research on. And I am like so excited to put this podcast out there. The title of this podcast, if you don't know yet, the title of this podcast is Don't Gaslight My Vagina. And where this came from is on social media. It was an Instagram platform. I will not name any names on social media. There is a woman, she's a doctor, and uh, she has a platform. And so the question was, my vagina is so dry that sex is painful. How can I fix this? And we first need to define the definition of gaslighting. So Wikipedia says gaslighting is a colloquialism loosely defined as making someone question their own reality. And the term may also be used to describe a, a person or a gaslighter who prevents, who presents a false narrative to another group or person, which leads them to doubt their perceptions and become misled generally for the gaslighter's own benefit. And this is important going back to the question of the dry vagina. So, Generally, this dynamic is only possible when the audience is vulnerable, such as in unequal power relationships or when the audience is fearful of the losses associated with challenging the false narrative. Gaslighting is not necessarily malicious or intentional, although in some cases it can be. So definition of gaslighting basically is telling somebody that their story is not true, right? And there's usually a power differential. So a woman asks, my vagina is so dry that sex is painful. How can I fix this? And this person on Instagram, who is a doctor, said... Regular sexual activity, self-stimulation, and pelvic floor exercise can help keep your vagina healthy. This doctor said, I tell women to avoid sugar and use probiotics to make sure their entire ecosystem is, quote, humming along. Now, there's no evidence that oral probiotics affect the vaginal microbiome. They're doing a lot of research in this because they want to help people with recurrent UTIs. But from what they can, the good data out there says taking any oral probiotic doesn't tend to make make a difference better than placebo, right? So that's the advice. Then she goes on to say, two additional ways to counteract vaginal dryness is to strengthen the pelvic floor by doing Kegel exercises and using a, quote, holistic formulation, quote, that helps maintain optimal levels of natural moisture and supports a healthy vulva and vagina. And this is her product and she's selling it. Um, She also states that this product, quote, prevents leaks and it costs $70. Um, This product also claims to reignite her desire. What the fuck, you guys? So basically, to summarize, a woman posts, what do I do with painful sex? And this person says, buy my $70 cream, which prevents leaks, reignites your desire, and is a holistic formula, which that means nothing right? To help maintain optimal levels of natural moisture. You can't delay menopause by exercising. You can't delay menopause by taking a probiotic. You can't do it. So this is a doctor on Instagram telling a woman whose pelvis is so dry that sex is painful that this is what she should do. Not once does she mention the possibilities of why this could happen or like telling her to like seek medical advice to help out. So this is the big question. 
does pelvic floor exercise or regular sexual activity delay or treat vaginal atrophy? Right? I can't find a damn thing. Start. I, so I started to research it and I'm like, oh my God, I have to do a podcast on this and I'm naming my podcast Don't Gaslight My Vagina. So I searched the Journal of Sex Med. Basically, I searched, does intercourse delay or treat vaginal atrophy? Can't find a damn thing. So I found on a, in an internet site, quote, regular sexual activity with or without a partner can help maintain healthy vaginal tissues through increased blood flow and avoid or lessen the effects of vaginal atrophy. That sounds great. There's no citations. There's no, people are, are we just making this up? Do we have no data? You guys, I can't find a darn thing. I can't find any research on this. We're just telling people to have sex because it's good for your vagina. Don't you think we should have some sort of data to back that up? So then I Googled. So then, okay, Journal of Sex Med isn't offering up anything. So then I thought I'd Google it. So I Googled, does regular sexual activity keep your vagina healthy? On menopause.org, reputable site. I send people to menopause.org all the time to find NAMS certified practitioners. So on menopause.org, it says regular vaginal sexual activity is important for vaginal health after menopause because it stimulates blood flow, helps keeps your vaginal muscles toned, and maintains your vagina's length and stretchiness. Well, that sounds nice, right? No citations. Furthermore, the vagina is smooth muscle, right? And it's controlled by the autonomic nervous system. You can't tone a smooth muscle with sexual activity usually. And then I'll buy that stretching the vagina frequently probably allows it to be stretched frequently, right? Without pain. Um, but is there evidence of why it has to be sex and not dilation, right? And the other thing is if it, to increase blood flow, that's really arousal. How many women are putting things in their vagina, calling it sex and not being aroused at all? I would say a decent amount. So if you just say, well, reading erotica is great for your vagina because reading erotica tells the brain you've got some sexual contacts, you tend to get, it get, tends to get a little warm down there. So why aren't we just saying reading erotica on your couch is great for a healthy vagina because it promotes blood flow, right? So then we went, so then I find this article, current treatment options for postmenopausal vaginal atrophy. This is great. This is in the International Journal of Women's Health, 2018. Quote, it is important not to forget about the positive effects of sexual intercourse on the improvement of vaginal health. Quote, no citations, nothing to back this up. Are we just making this shit up? Are we just telling women that they should have sex because it promotes vaginal health? Oh my God. Okay, so now we go to JAMA. 1983, vaginal atrophy in the postmenopausal woman, the importance of sexual activity and hormones. Great, good. So this is what they did. The effect of sexual activity on vaginal atrophy was investigated in a group of 52 postmenopausal women. Great. Subjects were divided into two groups, sexually active and sexually inactive, defined as uh, three, or three or more times a month was defined as sexually active. Two gynecologists examined all subjects and completed an index of vaginal atrophy uh, that assessed six genital dimensions. Blood samples were also analyzed. They checked hormones. As predicted, less vaginal atrophy was apparent in the sexually active women as opposed to the sexually inactive women. Further, women with less vaginal atrophy had significantly higher mean levels of androgens, so testosterone, etc. We discussed the implications of the study, particularly the importance of androgens in reducing atrophy and maintaining sexual interest. I, I don't think you can claim that at all. So what they did, I'm summarizing this now. They took some women. Some were having three or more sexual activities a month and then others were not. 
They looked at their vaginas, they measured their labs, and then they said, testosterone's good in preserving sexuality. We don't know this. They also said sex is good at preserving vaginal function and preventing atrophy. We don't know this. This wasn't a randomized perspective trial. Perhaps having less atrophy allowed the women to be sexually active longer and not vice versa. Very different to say sexual activity keeps the vagina from atrophying, which they did not look at. They just looked at women who are sexually active and said they had less atrophy, right? So how do we know that sexual activity caused less atrophy? We don't have any studies. So another paper, this is the closest data that I could find, you guys. Another paper on vaginal atrophy gave this recommendation. Regular sexual activity should be encouraged to maintain vaginal health. Evidence to hyphen 2B. So evidence to 2B. What that means, if you look up, well, what's that level of evidence, right? It's not a randomized control trial. It is usefulness. Usefulness and efficacy is less well established by evidence slash opinion. We literally don't know that vaginal, putting something in your vagina is good for your vagina. Stop shooting all over my women. So it, this comes to bring up, is this just a male-centric view that putting a penis in the vagina is what's necessary? And why is it sexual activity and not just dilation? Are lesbians screwed? Pun intended. So why is level two to be evidence cited as scientific fact? Why is this all over the internet? I can't believe it. So what we what there's another study and this is by reputable people this is Cheryl Kinsberg, James Simon, huge people in sex med and menopause. The closer study, which closer C L O S E R stands for clarifying vaginal atrophy's impact on sex and relationship. It's a survey. So they took 4000 women, 4000 men from multiple countries and they were surveyed and they talked about vaginal atrophy and the impact of vaginal atrophy on relationships. I think this is super interesting. So 28% of women did not tell their partners when they first encountered vaginal discomfort, mostly because they felt it was just a natural part of growing older or because of embarrassment. 82% of males wanted their partner to share their experience with vaginal atrophy. Males were also more comfortable discussing vaginal atrophy than females, 68 to 58. Um, having sex left less often, less satisfying sex, and putting off having sex were the main effects of vaginal atrophy. So here we go saying... If you have vaginal atrophy, we know you're going to have less sex and you're going to put it off. Um, intimacy avoidance was attributed to painful sex and women's reduced sexual desire. So what we know is vaginal atrophy is incredibly important in treating it and addressing it to maintain good sexual function as we age. We have no data that says that having sex prevents atrophy. No data. Uh, we have opinion, but no data. So... Erwin Goldstein, who is the godfather of Ishwish and women's sexual medicine, he's a urologist, San Diego sex uh, medicine. Like he is the, the he's the goat. <laughs> so he writes, practical, practical aspects in the management of vaginal atrophy and sexual dysfunction in perimenopausal and postmenopausal women. So he, he talks about this very eloquently. Estrogen decline disrupt, disrupts many physiological responses characteristic of sexual arousal, including smooth muscle relaxation, vasocongestion, and vaginal lubrication. Genital tissues depend on continued estrogen and androgen stimulation for normal function. An upward shift in vaginal pH as the result of vaginal atrophy alters the normal vaginal flora. 
reduce lubrication capacity, and reduce tissue elasticity, in addition to shortening and narrowing of the vaginal vault, can lead to painful or unpleasant intercourse. At the same time, diminished sensory response may reduce orgasmic intensity. Other contributors to peri- and postmenopausal sexual dysfunction include reduced androgen levels, aging of multiple body systems, and side effects of medications. So, conclusion. No single therapeutic approach is appropriate for every woman with peri- or postmenopausal sexual dysfunction. Instead, treatment should be based on a comprehensive evaluation and consideration of medical and psychosocial contributors to the individual's dysfunction. Further research is required. Nowhere in this article does he say having vaginal sexual activity promotes a healthy vagina. So stop shooting all over my women. You should have sex to keep a healthy vagina. What fun is that? What fun is sex when you're just shooting it because I'm supposed to have a healthy vagina because people told me to and there's no data to back this up. We have data that sexual activity, partnered or not, penetrative or not, this includes lesbian and heterosexual relationships and people masturbating, can delay the onset of menopause by about a year. But to say that exercise, probiotics, and your $70 cream that is holistically prepared or whatever it says is a bunch of bullshit and it's offensive to women who are vulnerable and don't have the education that doctors do and that this doctor is making money off of it. I'm calling her out. Okay, so work by Barry McCarthy has shown that sex less than every two weeks makes it difficult to get back into the game of staying sexual with your partner. And skin that's used to being stretched is likely to be more able to be stretched, right? And we know that muscles, if you, if you don't use them, you lose them, right? But is that true for the smooth muscle of the vagina? So the vagina consists of a tube of autonomically innervated smooth muscle. And arousal brings in blood flow. And the better you are at getting aroused, the easier it can be, right? So those are all good things. But nowhere can I find the actual data that intercourse treats or prevents the delay of vulvovaginal atrophy or that probiotics do that. So to all my women, never have sex. If you're having pain with sex, never have sex to cure the pain. This woman was literally asking about a vagina that was so dry that sex was painful and how could she fix it? Here's what you can do. You can make sure you're using a good lubrication. Make sure you're getting aroused before you put anything in the vagina. Vaginal estrogen, yes, yes, yes. It's like sunscreen and seatbelts. That's what I tell all my ladies in my office. Physical therapy for any pelvic floor muscle component or dysfunction. And then vaginal dilators, which are not to be used painfully. Vaginal dilators are used non-sexually just to get the vagina used to being stretched a little bit. And how they're used is you put the smallest one in that's comfortable. You lube it up, you sit there, you just sit there and for it, wait for it to be comfortable. Until it's comfortable, you're not allowed to size up. So dilators are just to get the vagina used to being stretched, um, not to be used painfully. So to the gaslighters, I see you. I see you making money off of my women. I see vulnerable, naive women searching for answers. And I get it. They're looking for quick fixes. They're distressed. Their relationships are being threatened but I am your antidote. Yes, it costs me time and money to make a podcast and to educate. And I want to make money with my knowledge. I, I want 1% of what that bald MMA comedian fighter is getting on Spotify. He who shall not be named right now. I want 1% of it. I have tons of knowledge to share. But I will do this with my podcast, with courses and products I believe in. Never supplements that support 
If you ever see a, a supplement that says it supports function, that actually is bullshit. It means nothing. The FDA, like, that's unregulated. That's not... You, and you, here's the other thing, you're not allowed to make medical claims that haven't been FDA approved. So this doctor saying that her cream does all these things and prevents leaks, it's bullshit. Um, if you see something that says supports function, run for the hills. We always say it like all these supplements are expensive urine. You just empty your wallet. People are always like, should I buy the supplement? And I'm like, well, if you want to empty your wallet, like go for it. So I know how much money I could make if I put a sugar, bill, a sugar pill in a box, labeled it natural, bioidentical. I could say it was scientifically created. And I told women that they could cycle it with the lunar calendar. Like they would buy that like hotcakes. I will never, ever do that for shame for people who do do that. Don't be a victim, you guys. I love you all way too much. So don't gaslight our vaginas. I'm watching you. Pro tip of the day, billionaire Mark Cuban. Just started an online pharmacy for low-cost generic drugs. It's costplusdrugs.com. You can get vaginal estrogen tabs for less than 10 bucks and cream for about $54. You don't go through your insurance. It's a prescription. Your doctor still has to put in a prescription to Cost Plus Drugs, uh, and then you pay cash. So dirt cheap because there's no insurance middleman. There's no prior, all that crap that you know raises the price of medications. Um, so that's, if you can't get generic estrogen cream, $54 at Cost Plus Drugs. If you like the tabs, less than 10 bucks. Um, somebody was, okay, here's the deal, you guys. No doctor, nurse practitioner, PA should be prescribing brand name Premarin cream for the vagina. There's a generic, it's called Estradiol. Like, just don't use Premarin. It's way too expensive. And I agree, I agree, creams are worth it. I, I like the creams over the tabs. I think tabs are pretty low dose and they don't target the clitoris and the labia. So that's my pro tip for the day. And this was my big myth buster. This is my first myth buster where I did all this research to be like, we have absolutely no data to tell you that you should, quote unquote, have sex to, to maintain a healthy vagina. No data. It can be expert opinion, but we have no data. So let me know what other myths you want me to bust. And for my physical therapists, nurse practitioners, PAs, doctors, Link in the show notes for CME. Get CME credit for listening to this podcast. All right, you guys, I love you so much. And remember, you are not broken.